Angus at Work, a podcast for the profit-minded cattlemen. Brought to you by the Angus Beef Bulletin, we have news and information on health, nutrition, marketing, genetics, and management. So let's get to work, shall we? Hello, and welcome back to Angus at Work. Regardless of where you fall within beef production, your experiences and opinions are incredibly valuable to understanding the pulse of our industry. Today's host, Shauna Hermel, sat down with Clay's Willing, president of Angus Media, to discuss why hearing from producers is so important to our mission and the project our team designed to do just that, the brand new Industry Inside Survey. So let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to the Angus at Work podcast. We're visiting this morning with Clay Zwilling, president of Angus Media, following a big reveal of an industry insight survey at the Angus Convention in Orlando, Florida. Welcome, Clay, and thank you for joining us here on Angus at Work. Super excited, uh, Shauna, and obviously been a big fan of the podcast and uh, what we do here at Angus Media, and so excited uh, for our Angus at Work listeners to uh, to hear a little bit more about what we've got going on in Angus Media and specifically our Industry Insights Survey. Excellent. You know, this is really probably the first time we've had a chance to introduce you to our Angus Beef Bulletin folks. Could you kind of give us a little bit of background about yourself and what brought you here to Angus Media? For sure. Uh, Grew up on a cow-calf operation in western Illinois, a registered operation there, and uh, had some row crops as well, and uh, grew up there, as as I mentioned, and uh, was involved in 4-H and FFA like a lot of uh, young agriculturalists are, and ultimately, uh, uh, first, before I attended school, I took a year off to serve as a state FFA officer for the state of Illinois, and then uh, attended Lakeland College uh, in Mattoon, transferred to Oklahoma State University where I got a degree in animal science and ag education uh, and then transferred, well, not transferred, graduated. I think I've got a degree, pretty sure, uh, (laughs) from that university um, uh, to Texas A&M where I got my master's in ag leadership, education, and communications. And uh, uh, right out of school, um, went to work for Farm Credit of Illinois in a marketing role there. So oversaw our Young Beginning Small Farmer Loan Programs uh, as well as uh, worked uh, with the association to develop some different uh, customer analytics and data tools. So uh, our discussion today really kind of goes back to my time in grad school and my first role out of college and gets me excited about that. But, uh, um, you know, really grew up with livestock, had a passion for the livestock industry and wanted to be more involved in that. And so uh, had an opportunity uh, shortly after uh, serving two years at Farm Credit uh, to go work with the National Swine Registry, so the Purebred Breed Association that covers Duroc, Hampshire's, Landrace, and Yorkshire breed of hogs. And so uh, was there uh, for six years, first in their vice president of operations role, and then uh, as CEO for four of those six years. Um, I understand you you worked with a few different boards as in that role. That must have been interesting. Yeah, so uh, that was one of the things that's always intriguing about the makeup of NSR. And you know, we have a we have an API board here at Angus, and we have each one of our entities has a board, and then we have what we call the big board, which is the association board. But 
uh, we actually had uh, four different breed boards, an executive committee, and a youth advisory board at oh the my. NSR that uh, that the CEO and staff got to report to. So always interesting to, to navigate those waters, uh, but uh, a really good experience and obviously uh, uh really ingrained my passion for breed association work and keeping our breeders and members and our our producers top of mind and so um, after NSR did a short stint with Walton Webcasting a live streaming and livestock marketing service based in Indiana and uh, the opportunity to come work here at Angus Media uh, presented itself and was really intrigued about the position of course uh, what Angus means in the in the global ag space and specifically the big, uh, the beef industry and uh, I was very fortunate to be selected for the position and uh, you know now I'm almost tenured Shauna I've been you here are. for six months so <laughs> Well, we've sure appreciated you coming here and, and enjoying you getting your feet wet. One of the first things that we threw at you, uh, when you first started here, we were just getting back some of the results of, of our Industry Insights um, surveys. And actually, you got to name that. Can you talk a little bit about, about where you came up with a name for our project? Well, I don't know if it, you know, it was an epiphany at 2 in the morning or what, what was happening. <laughs> but, uh, you know, for... I guess our, my thought process or our thought process behind it is it's it's not just an Angus project. It's really a perspective of what's going on in the beef industry collectively. And, and truly what it is, is it's really a pulse of where our producers, where our feedlot folks, and not just cow-calf seed stock producers, but commercial producers as well, just how they're feeling and what are their perspectives on different topics and issues going on in the beef industry. And so uh, industry insight seems like a pretty simple and, and uh, collective way to describe what uh, what this report and this survey data suggest. Uh, the other thing that I think is really exciting and unique about this particular survey is the uh, fact that we partnered with Cattle Facts on it uh, right. to really provide uh, some third-party perspective and help us deploy the, the instrument. Excellent. And and they were kind of a uh, – they did the actual survey – surveying I should say and and actually there's two surveys in this industry insights project um, there's one headed toward the feedlots and one headed toward the cow calf operators can you kind of explain a little bit about how that all came together in the end yeah uh, so just to kind of break it down, as you mentioned, we had a cow-calf section of the survey and then also a feedlot section because we thought it was really important to get those two segments' perspectives uh, relative to where things sit in the beef industry today. And so uh, the cow-calf survey was part of uh, CattleFax's normal uh, survey that they send to their members. And essentially what we did was work through and, and try and garner a few questions that we were trying to get answered, but deploy it through that same system. And again, as I mentioned earlier, uh, to not necessarily glean insights specific to Angus, but to really get a collective perspective of where our folks uh, right. felt like the beef industry was. Was. On the uh, opposite side of the coin with, with the feedlot uh, survey, a little different type of instrumentation. 
Um, and, and we can talk a little bit more about that in depth, but really targeted specific to feedlot owner and operators uh, was done via phone versus an actual uh, email survey. And the reason that was done was to really gain some, some qualitative data as well. And, and it was a bit more extensive in some of the questions. So getting the opportunity to actually have those conversations, collect that information, and, and probably not to jump too far ahead, but I think as we look to the future of what we can utilize this data for or what we can use it for in the future, um, we will have to decide as, as Angus Media and as a collective group, is this something we want to continue to do uh, you know, every two to three years? What's the timing of it? But to really begin to build a benchmark of of impressions and considerations and perspectives of these folks that we survey. You bet. Well, we've got quite a bit of investment and time and effort into these surveys and getting started analyzing um, through and, and deciphering some of those results. What do we plan to use those for? Right. And as you know, Shauna, the first part was kind of going through and disseminating all this data and and putting in a format that uh, was consumable for our our it's a lot (laughs) yes as as you're very familiar and i want to give a huge shout out to you and your team going through and putting together the the actual uh report putting together the different ways we present it so taking all this raw data right and compiling it in charts and formats and tables and having some key takeaways uh, was the first step right so we can break it down and make sure that we're pulling the correct insights and presenting those in an objective manner frankly I, I always share with people whether you're in uh, whether you're utilizing uh, genetic testing or whether you're doing survey data good data in means good data out bad data in is bad data out so we've got to keep and make sure we've got accurate reliable information and how we present it is in a way that's actually useful Uh, but to that end we've we've created a one a a very uh, nice printed publication of this about 65 pages long uh, that that, uh, you and your team have have worked through and made it in a way that uh, everyone can consume it in a very practical fashion The other piece that we just did, as you alluded to at the beginning of the podcast, is uh, we presented this data uh, first at our uh, Angus board meetings uh, to get some perspective from the board and just get some impressions relative to some of the initial results, Uh, but spent a lot of time talking about it at the Angus convention in Orlando as well. And so we we, uh, alluded to it a lot in some of our general sessions. Our CEO, Mark McCulley, kind of pulled out some key takeaways. Uh, I spent a a breakout session uh, going through some of the highlights as well. And so now we're really at a point of how we can just continue to get this information out to folks. uh, So as they begin to think about decision making in the future, as we kind of see this a little bit of volatility right now relative to the beef markets and where we see some things going in the the industry, uh, really saying, hey, here's these thoughts or impressions we've had. And and I set up... uh, not to digress too far, but I set up uh, the breakout session a little bit of my biggest takeaway from this survey is it's a lot of what we hear at the coffee shop and what we, what we think we know, but now we actually have data and, and true analytics and information to back up what we think we feel and know. And that's to me, the power of what this industry insight survey has done. It's, yeah, we pretty well think we know that, and that's what we hear in the countryside, but here's a really concrete, uh, uh, truly accurate way of, of capturing that. And so um, to me now, our phase is just uh, talking and sharing about the information like we're doing today on the podcast. 
We'll do a lot of that within the Angus Beef Bulletin and the Angus Journal, as well as with our media um, online. Um, and we do have that online right now, right? The, the printout that we had um, at the Angus Convention is available in the sale books. Yep, so if you go to the marketing materials on our sale books page on the Angus website, you'll see it there. It's uh, got a lovely colored uh, cover and, and layout designed by Leanne on your team. And yes. um, it's it's been really nice and interesting to see, uh, uh, you know, we'll push it out in a few other ways as well, but to have it housed in our in our program pasture to publish with our other sale books, which allows us to kind of check and see the analytics of the actual report uh, to see what you all are interested in and what are kind of the pages and graphs and information that you all are interested in as well. Uh, so we can continue to kind of uh, bring those points to you and provide that information. Well, I understand that after the breakout session, there was kind of a run to the booth and, and these were very popular um, so hopefully we'll, we'll put it in our show notes to have a link to go to that page directly from the website. So anybody listening to our podcast can just look at those show notes and get there. But let's talk about some of the key takeaways that we found. Um, you know, we, we have done a lot of surveys. We survey every two years or so our, our, for our readerships to be able to get kind of a feel and a pulse of, of the direction of our members. Um, and so we kind of expect those to be pretty heavily oriented and biased toward Angus. I mean, they're using Angus bulls. Uh, but this was kind of our first chance to actually go out and, and look at uh, maybe that industry-wide um, was it surprising to you that 82% of, of the cow herds were, were Angus-based? To me, it really wasn't, and I think that goes back to the the point we made of, I, I think we hear those things, there's other surveys that have been done, and for me, it's really just kind of validating that information of, of Angus's influence on, on the, the cow base, on the beef industry, and, and again, uh, for us, I think it's a really good story to share as, as this group of, of producers and respondents have a wide variety of, of background. Uh, if, if we think about some of the demographic information, I believe uh, over 80% of the folks that responded were commercial producers compared to seed stock. So uh, to me, when you when you kind of take out, uh, for lack of a better word, the bias a little bit of, of, of seed stock producers and just say this is what the collective beef industry, the commercial audience, which is obviously uh, who we're primarily visiting with with this podcast um it's really validating uh, information we think we already knew relative to what the cow base is i was looking at the um oh the percent of the bulls too that are angus based and in choose angus bulls and that was right up at 70 percent and i think the next closest to it was of course would be hereford um at 22 percent so that's quite a drop off when you consider percentage and I think the the takeaway there from that story is as we looked, and some of this data exists in, in the report, is if you look at uh, what bull values and sale prices have been in the, over the last few years, uh, there is there is significant value difference in price discovery relative to those Angus genetics. And so I think it's a great story to tell if you are an Angus seed stock producer or if you're just looking to add value to your cow base. And, and again, uh, there's a lot of, you know, 
we're not going to get into the full depth of the survey today. We probably right. should have started with that disclaimer <laughs> because uh, a 65 page document and a 30 uh, minute podcast doesn't work. But, uh, um, you know, that's that's the thing that I think from a from a standpoint of people that are, are breeding cattle or are selling cattle uh, beyond just the interesting demographic data, there's really some economic factors that were collected as well uh, that indicate as we track what average bull prices have looked like over the last several years yes. and what those margins and interest are, not just from the people producing and raising those bulls, but but the buyers as well. And, and uh, to me, if you're, if you're an Angus enthusiast or you're, you're interested in just getting into the cattle business, uh, you know, all signs point to Angus, and I think that's positive. I know we ask a question within the survey on uh, why breeders chose the breed that they did for their for their bull selection, and and a lot of those traits were right down the line with what Angus would be known for, and it wasn't necessarily for the market premiums that I was was expecting, but um, calving ease you would expect. Uh, growth docility and and some traits like that but then maybe that also ties into um, another figure I wanted to bring out was the fact that um, 82 percent of the breeders or 82 percent of the commercial cattlemen that answered the survey thought that having a registered bull was important and and we talked with um, Kelly Retallick some about why that is they're going they're making sure that it has the calving ease and has the docility and those EPDs for sure and I think just having having information is key when making breeding decisions and I, I think obviously the survey results indicate that um, and, and as we go and dive into the feedlot survey here in a little bit we'll find that the the feedlot owners also are putting a lot more emphasis and and selection criteria and what those known genetics are as they're buying fed cattle uh, with the p potential to, to maximize profitability there in the feed yards. That was one of the things that we were wondering about going into the survey is if people were backing off of Angus just a little bit. That wasn't the case, was it? Uh, no, percentages and what you'll see in the variety of charts presented would still tell you uh, Angus has a strong market share in the beef business. Uh, one of the questions that ask uh, on looking for hide color or looking for breed makeup, uh, what their preference was for calves. And I think the Angus or an Angus cross had five of the top uh, six or seven uh, responses. Yep, and, and again, there's there's just a whole wealth of knowledge that, that comes in, and, and it was interesting just to, to share a practical example of, of some of the things the survey unveils. I think uh, between Mark and I at the Angus Convention, we presented the same information <laughs> three to four times, so it used four or five different charts. So if uh, if you're not a if you're not a uh, numbers person, you like to look at bar graphs. We've got plenty of those. Yeah. If you're a pie chart person, uh, or if you like to read it, it's there. So there's a lot of different ways to disseminate the data. Exactly. One of the things that you talked about in the breakout session, and I know you're very passionate about youth coming back to the farm and ranch and, and kind of what that future structure of the industry is going to be. Obviously, that's important to us as a publication. Our success depends on, on our success at, at keeping people in business. Um, can you expound upon that a little? Yeah, so some of the really interesting demographic data that, that we asked about is basically, 
you know, what's, what's your generational plans uh, with your operation from the current respondents? And we did that both with the feed yards. And, and the two things that I kind of brought out in, in my presentation were first, uh, you know, the vast majority, over two-thirds of our respondents don't have a written succession plan relative to their operation. And, and we never want to be uh, prescriptive or, or tell folks what to do relative to the association and, and where we're sitting uh, presenting data from Angus Media. But to me, this is a pretty big wake-up call. And, and uh, as someone, frankly, uh, used to do that in my former life at Farm, Farm Credit, helped with the state planning education and those type of things, and also going through some of those things personally, um, you know, those are things that we really have to consider as a business of where, where generational transfer happens, what's the future plans, and those are tough conversations, no doubt. Uh, but they're important conversations. And, and moreover, uh, probably the most interesting insight relative to generational transfer ownership comes on the feed yard side of the results, uh, where basically our respondents say in five to 10 years, there's going to be a 50% turnover of ownership of those feed yards. And so if you think about just the philosophy and the the, the mindset of what that could be, uh, I mean, that's that's pretty significant. Half half of the respondents are saying in the next five to 10 years, they expect there to be another owner operator of those feed yards. And so as we talk about the makeup of the business and the business structures, um, you know, that's really important data for us to consider. And I know sometimes we get caught in what's going on today, what's going on next year. Uh, but man, five to 10 years isn't as far out as what some of us no, think. It goes by fast. <laughs> So some of the other um, just general topics that are in the uh, in the surveys, can you maybe highlight some of the other things that you thought were important? Yeah, so a lot of them that I, I think are interesting or what our uh, readers and, and listeners would find interesting, a couple different kind of, I'll break them down into different areas of, of questions. So we ask a lot of questions around just genetic selection, phenotypic selection, what what traits are important and then also of those traits where have you seen improvement and what what was encouraging to me is as you look at areas that our respondents thought were of need of importance they said we've made genetic progress in the last 10 15 20 years so to yes. me that's that's positive uh that's what we hope the goal is uh the other th information that I think is really interesting is we, we basically pose this question of what do you see as opportunities and challenges uh, going into the future? And that was both for cow-calf operators as well as our feedlot respondents. And overwhelmingly, uh, some of the big key things that came out of that were obviously input costs. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we all understand in today's environment that the profitability is challenging. So what are ways that we can try and be more profitable and mitigate risk. Uh, government regulation and, and just how we're going to navigate some of these decisions coming down from our uh, decision makers in, in Washington uh, was a concern. And then you had some variety of different topics like, like weather and market outlook. Uh, but on the feedlot spot side specifically, uh, one of the things that was brought up pretty consistently was labor. And I think we, we hear a lot about labor. Uh, we hear those discussions. And so, uh, again, as we've kind of emphasized here on this podcast, it, it was, 
you know, I don't know want, you know if you want to use the word encouraging because some of the some of the challenges you might might raise a little bit of anxiety or concern, but it was at least validating that as we have these topic discussions at meeting and as you all sit and listen to content or sit in meetings, mm-hmm. uh, it really validates what what we're hearing and making sure that we're on point when we have discussion and we put out content on behalf of you all through our publications and digital media within the Angus Media Group. It sure helps give our editorial direction as as far as what our our readers need and and what they're going to be facing um, coming coming down the pike in the in the future. So, so we've probably put quite a bit of emphasis here on the cow calf side of it. Can we maybe look at some of the things that we learned in the feedlot um, survey because those were some pretty um, some pretty revealing answers to questions. For sure, and and you know. Again, you can spend days going through this report or months or probably years, as we'll probably deal with Shauna as we look to the future (laughs) of this report. But, you know, some of the key takeaways relative to the feed yard, one, health is still a huge priority when selecting and purchasing calves, as well as making sure that those calves are profitable for the feed yards. Uh, A variety of different questions and and selection traits expose that health is, is a big component. And I don't think we're surprised by that. But again, placing emphasis as you think about vaccination protocols and what the future of, of how, how some of these regulations may affect how we sell cattle and have traceability of cattle, uh, health was a big portion of that. Uh, you know, we alluded to a little bit earlier the, the point of genetic merit and how those things fit in, in buying preferences. And, and what we collectively saw is uh, either buyers, for the most part, are putting emphasis on learning more about the genetics of the cattle they're purchasing or they already placed that. And so, um, you know, going back to having kind of that documentation, knowing what those verified genetics are, they're going to provide value there in the future. Uh, the other thing that uh, we even ask, and it kind of a, a buzz topic around the industry is beef on dairy. And so we ask right. some specific questions targeted to that um, and, and really what kind of the future thoughts were of whether they'd be purchasing more or less beef on dairy, breed preferences. Uh, you know, what we did see was as Angus was over, overwhelmingly the choice when, when selecting uh, beef on dairy crosses. Uh, but a lot of good information relative to that segment of the industry and, and frankly, a, a segment that's getting a lot of discussion and, and, and has a lot of uh, uh, buzz around the topic today. One of the things we visited with Troy Marshall some on, about the survey and, and results, and one of his comments I know was was that the Angus on Dairy is maybe um, helping to create the awareness among feedlots about the importance of the genetic history on those animals. For sure, and I, I think again that we know how. It, the, the beef industry and the ag industry as a whole is, is unique in a lot of ways in the sense that we're very innovative, but sometimes adoption of innovation takes time. And so it's, it's intriguing to see, and to me, the power of this survey going forward is we kind of have this initial benchmark of this first survey we've completed as we look to the future of doing these things. You know, it'll be exciting to, to see uh, children, grandchildren be able to maybe look back at this and say, Wow, that was that was pretty unique and different in in 2023, 2022, and these surveys were completed uh, to see what the scope and feeling and perceptions of the industry was. And so, 
again, I think as we look to the future, the real opportunity is how we can compile this data, continue to utilize it as a benchmark and present it to you all uh, to make the best decisions moving forward uh, to ultimately keep your operation profitable and, and going long term. As we alluded to earlier, um, we invite you all to, to view this. We'll have a link uh, within the podcast for you to vi- view this digitally. Uh, we're going to use this information to drive a lot of editorial for our publications, whether it's the Angus Beef Bulletin, the Angus Journal, uh, the digital forms of those, whether the AJ Daily or the uh, Angus Beef Bulletin Extra. Uh, and, and frankly, the other thing I would share with you is, hey, if you're out at industry events, well, you'll get to see some of this. I know we have created some kind of one, small one-page QR codes if you want to look at a digital copy if you're attending things like the National Western Stock Show, Cattlemen's Congress, NCBA. So uh, a lot of different ways to get the information, of course. Uh, we'd love for you to visit angus.org and check it out on the sale books page under our marketing materials, and you can view it that way as well. But Um, You know, really, uh, you know, thinking about this whole concept from inception of, uh, hey, let's try and do this and partner with Cattle Facts to where we are today, Shauna. uh, Now we're now we're really in implementation and and, and sharing phase. And so I would encourage you, those uh, that are listening, if you uh, if you want to listen and you want to learn, gain more information. Uh, reach out to us and visit to us. And one of the things that was really encouraging as we left Angus Convention, uh, had a producer come up and they say, I often get the question of, you know, what's new or what what what, what do you know? And sometimes I shrug my shoulders and I don't know the answer. <laughs> and and uh, this particular producer held up their industry insights and said, this is what's new and what's going on. And so I think that was a, a pretty powerful testimonial of the information that's uh, that's been revealed in Industry Insights. And I think a, a truly unique tool that we can use to help kind of guide some strategy and, and where we want to go in the future of the beef business. Awesome. Thank you, Clay. And, and uh, just a little bit here to wrap up. We always like to end our Angus at Work podcast on a real positive note. Um, can you share something positive that's happening in your life, whether personal or professional? Wow, you didn't tee me up very well to know we were going to go go that way with questions. This but, ought to be easy. <laughs> uh, yeah, so on the personal note, uh, we did, uh, on top of taking a new job and moving, we welcomed a new little girl into our life. So we've got a three and a almost three and an almost three-month-old. Uh, running around this willing household so that's that's been exciting and then uh, just relative to Angus Media as you mentioned kind of uh, just uh, drinking from a fire hydrant uh, learning everything uh, relative to what we offer in our services but the one thing that's really encouraging is we have uh, very passionate and can convicted uh, customers and breeders and and folks that uh, engage in our media that uh, that uh, keep us going and keep us driving and adding value. Uh, We've got a great staff here in St. Joe and located all across the country that are passionate about delivering information and marketing materials uh, to be, to make you all successful. And uh, that's really encouraging uh, when, when you're sitting in, in, in my chair today. And as you look to the future of, of the entity and the association and the beef business as a whole, uh, we've got to have passionate, convicted people out there, and uh, it's it's encouraging to see that and to see where, where this business is going. Wonderful. Thank you, and we'll turn it over to Lindsay to wrap us out. Listeners, for more information on making Angus work for you, check out the Angus Beef Bulletin and the Angus Beef Bulletin Extra. You can subscribe to both publications in the show notes. 
If you have questions or comments, let us know at abbeditorial at angus.org. And we would appreciate it if you would leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with any other profit-minded cattlemen. Thanks for listening. This has been Angus at Work.